Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number Art Monk, Carl Eller, Lars Eller, Terrell Owens, Miroslav Shatan, Phil Castle. Have you got it? I'm your host, Mark Hepsher. We've got an action-packed show for you today. I went and saw the hockey movie the other night. It's called uh, Goalie. It's about the late Terry Sawchuk. My review coming up. Not going to say anything more. After pulverizing the Boston Celtics the other night, the Raptors get the Portland Trailblazers tonight, and I'm going to the game. Bryce Harper signs for 13 years and $330 million with the Phillies, yet Vladdy Jr. isn't quite ready for the major leagues, according to his GM. What's wrong with this picture? TFC fans frozen out, but my book launch was a very warm and fuzzy affair the other night. And on Minor Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades, why are so many kids and their parents breaking away from Hockey Canada to play in Super Leagues? That's right. Why do we practice on half ice? Why are we playing once a week and practicing? We need more practice and less games. So the Super Leagues are providing that for the young players. That's all ahead, plus the Leafs and the John Tavares return to Long Island. <laughs> what were they saying? What yeah. were, you know when you're trying to listen to a crowd, yeah. trying to make out what they're saying, and then the announcer goes, oh, they're saying something we can't repeat on television. Really? No kidding? <laughs> Um, the whole story coming up, but first your trivia question brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, just north of the 401. Without looking it up, who did John Tavares, Tavares replace as captain of the New York Islanders? Who did John Tavares replace as captain of the New York Islanders? <laughs> the answer in a backstory coming up later in the show. If you're a fan of deli, may I suggest Panzer's at 3856 Bathurst Street? Well, I'm going to. The food there is to die for. Oi, to die for. You can dine in, you can take out. They've got a fabulous menu, party trays a specialty. Call Lauren at 416-636-1230 and tell them Hebsey sent you. Or go to pantsersoriginaldeli.com. And who isn't a fan of deli? If you're not a fan of deli, I don't think we can be friends. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Well, what about the vegetarians and vegans in the crowd? Ah... Okay, I'm fighting a cold here. Now, I was told you didn't go to broadcasting school, Mike, did you? Uh, you can't tell? Of course not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, I know that you didn't. Mike didn't go to broadcasting I did. So my first week in broadcasting school at Conestoga College in Kitchener, um, the course director, a fellow named Gary Parker, a wonderful guy, says to me, if you're sick, never tell your audience that you're uh. sick. Never let your audience know that you're sick because your audience has turned your, you on to get away from life or whatever it is, right? They don't want to hear about your problems. Right. It's sort of like uh, the world doesn't want to hear about labor pains. It only wants to see the baby. Right, exactly. Right? So uh, I'm not going to tell you that I'm sick because I'm not sick. But I sound like I'm sick. You know, like that? Like you look at someone and say, uh, hey, how you doing? And the, the person looks perfectly fine. They go, oh, I'm, I'm dying here. I got the flu or whatever. Well, you look fine. You know, it's better to look good than to feel good. But I, I feel fine. But I sound like I might be sick. So people are like, are you okay? Are you, you all right there? Because you, you, your voice sounds a little raspy there. It's a good thing I had some Lysol <clears> for the uh, the microphone when you leave. But, but I'm not sick. You're not sick. But by the way, that, that, that whole mindset of don't tell don't the tell audience people, yeah. you're sick, that's very old school. I think that all changed so? with Howard Stern, I think. I think Why, now Stern used to tell people that he was sick on the air? Stern would tell you... Yeah, it's more than that even. So I think authentic, <laughs> way more than that. He would describe when oh. he went to the bathroom in detail. Yeah, I'm not sure. Everything. But yeah. authenticity is now in vogue. So tell us when you're sick. Or your audience right. wants to know how so you So you're do. telling me I wasn't authentic when I was uh, failing to... But I'm not <laughs> sick. I'm Folks, I'm not. I just, I sound, it sounds a little raspy. That, that's it. 
Okay? It Honestly. works for you. Thank you. To be a New York Islander fan today must be the greatest feeling in the world. Must be such a great feeling. Because not only did you get your rocks off last night and make your point about losing John Tavares to free agency, the traitor, your team's in first place. And the New York Islanders are legitimate contenders for the Stanley Cup. Wait a minute. What is this, 1981? <laughs> Queens, we are the champions, are playing on the speaker system at the Nassau County Veterans Coliseum, while Mike Bossy, Danny Potvan, Clark Gillies, Billy Smith, et cetera, yes. et cetera, et cetera, get another Stanley Cup? No, this is 2019. This is the Islanders sans John Tavares. And if you watched any television, they had to, why do they have to show the idiot who burns the jersey? Is this not so passe? <laughs> hey, everybody, come on over here. Uh, this guy's going to stomp on his LeBron James jersey and, and he's going to burn it. Oh, John Tavares jersey and he's going to burn it. Name a player that leaves town and his jersey is going to be burned when he comes back. It's a, except when it's DeMar DeRozan and everyone's wearing their jerseys, not not burning them. Right, because he didn't want to go. That's different. He didn't want to yeah, go. Yeah, so it's like, and we all knew in advance, what's the reception? No, not one person said to me, Mike, who do you think is going to win the game? Not right. one person. It was all, what do you think the reaction is going to be like? Well, first of all, if you've ever been to the Nassau County Veterans Coliseum, and this is the new and improved one, they played in Brooklyn, right? The parking lot is right there. Like, it's right outside. Like, you can stand in the parking lot, tailgate, drink all day, which is what Islander fans were doing, and get all hyped up for this return of John Tavares. Who, and you've been seething. Sid. Look, it's, 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 today's March 1st. It's till the end of February. You saw this on the schedule back in October. you got to wait till the end of February before this guy comes back. We can give him what he deserves. Okay? Asshole! Asshole! <laughs> we don't need you! We... Seriously. Yeah. I mean, that was vile stuff. It, I don't vile. think I've heard of... I don't remember a regular season game right. as loud as that. Right. In... Vile. It's like it's a soccer match. Pent up for... Even more so, because it's <laughs> one guy, right? It's like this guy, we've been waiting for this guy to come back. But the other thing is, they're, yeah. they're not a doormat team. They're a good team. Like, it, they've had reason to cheer this year. Their fans are engaged. They come out in droves. They pack the place now. Because this is a legitimate team without this guy. Some, something about this Barry Trotz, something about this Lou Lamorello, this, this winning championship combination at the helm. And all those years that Tavares played there, the nine years, they were a lousy franchise. I think they made the playoffs one, one or two of the years. There was that one short run that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I got to say, uh, I, yeah. so my wife doesn't follow sports as closely as we do. And we're watching the game last night because, of course, the crowd's going nuts. It's kind of exciting. I really yeah. wanted to win that game, by the way, but because of that. But anyway, we'll get to that. But uh, my wife asked me to explain why are they so angry at Tavares. And I explain it. And as I'm explaining it, she's like, well, why would that upset them? Because when you tell the story, John Tavares does nine years. Mm -hmm. He becomes a unrestricted free agent and he chooses to go home i'm not sure why they're so upset like that doesn't sound like the vince carter thing or anything like that like why are they so upset because they're new yorkers so it's just in their blood spurned jilted somebody leaves to go somewhere else it means they didn't like it here now i'll give you the same example what if somebody give me an example of a player a guy said i want to go i want out and he signed somewhere else a uh, chris bosh uh yeah okay all right but i mean the other thing too is um you know, there's there's an ang uh, the jilted lover, no matter what, there's anger there, right? You went somewhere else. You left me. Okay. You know, look, I got I, a good example. I, I worked in television with someone that decided that they wanted to go into politics. 
you could look at it two ways. One is I really want to go into politics because that's been my dream. Mm -hmm. The other one is what don't you like about working with me that forces you to go into politics. Right. So if you could look at it two ways, right? Does it have anything to do with me? So if you're an Islander fan, you go, does it have anything to do with us? So they're pessimistic. The glass is half empty. Right. Because the compare, I would never mind the fact that he went home. I mean, they don't care about that. I don't care if you went home. Part of the story that Tracy McGrady is a good example. We weren't that angry at Tracy McGrady for wanting to go home. Right. It's the same thing. We, I mean, I just. Think but we didn't get a... lathered up in the parking lot with hard liquor and <laughs> handguns. I think it was hard liquor and handgun night at the Nassau <laughs> County Coliseum last night. They were enraged, yeah. and collect. The other thing is the mob mentality. Mike, you and I, on our own, if we were Islander fans, may not. But all of a sudden, there's thousands of other people that are going, "Hey, he sucks." You know? Yeah. And and so now you become part of this mentality where your voice is heard along with thousands of others, like at a soccer match or whatever. You're all chanting, right? And you're angry. And you're boozed up. They're all boozed up. You can tailgate in the United States. Yes. So, so for hours in the afternoon, the parking lot was filled. Right. People are tailgating and they're talking. When I when I first, when I see Tavares, I'm going to give him a <laughs> I'm going to give him a this and I'm going to give him a that. And of course, when Andrews Lee scored for the Islanders, they're going, uh, "That's our captain," you know, like stuff like that. Uh, it was but quite you, an entertaining game. It it's was. Just, uh, well, we'll get to it. I guess you're going to get to the game. But uh, that second goal being yeah. disallowed took all the wind out of the sails. Yeah, and let's be honest, okay? That's a, that's a great offside challenge by Barry Trotz and the coaching staff. That's a great, great, great challenge right there. That is that is the... the Forget about a bang-bang play at first base. Bang-bang play at first base, the umpire looks at the base. He sees the, the player's foot. At the same time, he's listening for the glove to catch the ball. So it's snap-snap, right? It's distinct. But when you're trying to determine an offside and you've got to watch the puck, where the puck is on the far side, and at the same time, in the blink, you can't blink your eye. You've got to determine whether another player's skate is on the line or is hovering above the line. Now, in soccer, you're in an offside position regardless of where your, whether your foot's on the ground or not. It's where your body is. The same thing should be for hockey. If you're hovering your skate above the blue line, then the spirit of the rule the spirit of you broke the plane right because you could have been knocked off stride right and out of and knocked off stride and of course unable to get that other foot down to touch the ice on the blood that's one thing but let's be honest if you're hovering over it and i think that's the way i learned it you hover over it no one's going to call you if you're uh, if you're not past the blue line then you're not in an offside position great challenge and, and let, let let's be honest if hyman scores that goal he takes, and he did, he takes the crowd right out of the game. Mm-hmm. And maybe you've got a chance to win it. But of course, once it was overturned, forget about it. No team's going to come back from something like that. It's very, very difficult. And the other thing, too, is let's be honest. you got a team now, the Maple Leafs, that had no worries when it came to injuries at all. Oh, they lost Hyman for 15 games here, and they lost, uh, t- uh, what's his name, Austin. Uh, Austin Matthews early in the seat. By the way, was Austin Matthews playing last night? Uh, well, he, he looked he, a bit he, okay early. Uh, no, yeah, then he no, awful. No. He, he did not play well. That whole line played terrible. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so now you've reached the point where you're down to your last 20 games or so, and suddenly you've got some injury problems that are going to hurt you. Travis Dermott was just becoming a solid defenseman, a top four defenseman. He's out at least four weeks with a shoulder injury. Jake Gardner has a bad back, and you know you never know. That could flare up at any time. That's a terrible injury to have. Uh, because you just don't know. Uh, Jake Muzzin obviously needs a rest, but he's not going to get one now. And ditto for Morgan Riley, who's been, uh, he made some really uncharacteristic mistakes out there. Played 23 minutes last night. I would say that, I don't want to say given up because that's not right, but I think he realized at a certain point of the game, what am I killing myself for here? I mean, we're not going to win this game. Uh. 
And, uh, you know, instead of it 3-1 or 4-1, it ended up being 6-1 was the final score. One of those games. And you're going into a hostile environment as well. I mean, they went in there, and, man, they had never experienced that. But I guarantee you, not one Leaf player, maybe Patrick Marlowe when he played, when they went deep in the playoffs, I don't know. But who has experienced something like that? The vitriol, the 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 venom being spewed by the Islander fans no. at, at, at Tavares. He's your teammate. He's your buddy. And he's just getting the crap kicked out so of him. So should we read anything into the fact that that's the... You know that's the result when uh, when 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 we face that kind of environment. Like, can we? I'm hearing, I'm seeing a lot of tweets and stuff like yeah. gutless performance by the Leafs. They should be ashamed. Like, there's, no. there's, we should not. Should we? Over, should we? Are yeah. we overreacting to this? Not at all. Not at all. Until you've been, until you've gone to New York before, and it doesn't matter if it's Long Island or if it's Madison Square Garden. Or for that matter, if it's Philadelphia. I was going to say, isn't Philly where they throw the batteries at the Santa Claus? You know, all that stuff. <laughs> I'll give you a good example, okay? Years and years ago, uh, Rick Tockett, who's now the coach of the Phoenix Coyotes, a good friend of mine, was a good, we were good buddies. And I knew his whole family, okay? His brothers, Danny and Andy, his, his parents, he just lost his mom uh, uh, a year or so ago. But anyway, one time Tockett says, why don't you come down and uh, see a couple of games and we'll go see the Philadelphia Eagles play the Dallas Cowboys. So I went down with his brother, Andy. Andy Tockett and I go down there. And the deal is this. We're going to watch. We're going to see the, uh, on a Saturday, we're going to see the Flyers play uh, the Rangers in Philly at the Spectrum, I believe, at the time. And then the next day, the Sunday, we're going to go out with uh, Scott Mellenby, Murray Craven, a bunch of guys. We're going to go watch the Eagles play the Cowboys. And then the next uh, day, which is Monday, we're going to travel to New York into uh, Madison Square Garden and the rematch between the Flyers and the Rangers at Madison Square. Wow. Fabulous. Had a wow. great weekend. Now we're on our way to uh, New York City. The Flyers had won the Friday night game against the Rangers. The Eagles had beaten the Cowboys. It was great. And we're on our way, and Rick says to me and to Andy, he says, whatever you do, do not root for the Flyers at Madison Square. He says to his brother, so even if I score, like, don't. We're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I've been, what you? he's, no, you don't understand. It's different when it's Flyers-Rangers, and we had just beaten them, and now this is the rematch. Anyway, long story short, the flyer, the the Ranger fans are merciless. And this one guy who's wearing a Flyers jersey, he's down in the concourse level, not up in the blue seats where the 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 the, the venom is, the Garden Gods, but down in the lower bowl. He's got a Flyers jersey on. He's got long red hair, and these fans are going, "Who cuts your hair? <laughs> Who?" And like thousands of them, "Who cuts your hair?" And this Flyer fan flows throws the finger, flips the bird. At Madison Square Garden, wow. in front of these Ranger fans who hate the Flyers, <laughs> and I go, I say to Andy, I said, "This guy's in trouble." Anyway, this guy goes off to the bathroom, and the story was is that he got beaten up. He went to the John, and he got beaten up by the uh, by the Ranger fans. How right. dare you come in here? So we had to bite our tongue. We couldn't do anything. Like we, you know, we wanted the Flyers to win. I mean, but still, yeah, you had to suppress your yeah, joy. You had to suppress your joy, man. It was hard. <laughs> it was like really difficult. Anyway, in that game. Dave Brown of the Flyers, oh, yeah. one of the toughest yeah. guys you'd ever played for the Oilers as well. I mean, tough, about 250 pounds, and man would hit you like a like a mallet. He got he um, he blindsides Thomas Sandstrom, who is not a fighter of the Rangers. Sandstrom's in the crease, and he goes to make a play. And if I tell you, Dave Brown got his stick up right up in his jaw and cross-checked him and wiped him out. And the Ranger fans are screaming, screaming. I believe Brown got suspended for a considerable number of games for that. It might have been eight or ten games. Uh, it was vicious. And I just remember going, Jesus, like, I, if anyone asks, I'm a Ranger fan. Like, right. I, In fact, I think we started pretending to be Ranger <laughs> fans. What's going on with that Brown guy? 
<laughs> hey, get him out of the game. Because you don't want anyone to suspect that you're a Flyers fan. They would have killed you there. Wow. So it's rough in New York. They are rough. Those fans are rough. Anyway, uh, your top four defensemen for the Leafs, Muzzin, Riley, Hainsey, and Zaitsev. That's your top four. And the Leafs get Buffalo again tomorrow night at the SBC. The Sabres are playing tonight at home against Pittsburgh. So maybe they'll be good and tired tomorrow like the Leafs were last night. So a good bounce back win would be tomorrow against Buffalo. And the Leafs have proven that they can beat the snot out of the Sabres. So let's go. Uh, so I'm going to the Raptors game tonight. I'm going with a fellow, a uh, buddy of mine, who was at the book launch the other night, Mike. Oh, by the way, thank you for the invitation. I know you invited all your listeners, not just me. And uh, it was a fantastic event. Uh, are we going to talk about the event later, or are we talking about, talk right about now? it now? Okay. Talk about it now if you want. Uh, it w- great people, great uh, reception. I saw Jake Gold from uh, you know Canadian Idol interviewing you on stage. Yes. It was really well done, and it was well attended, and a uh, good time was had by all. I was happy to rush over there after my boys... Uh, House League hockey game. Thanks for coming. I think you had a good time, too. Um, so anyway, one of the fellows, one of my friends is there, and he um, so he listens to your podcast. He doesn't know what you look like, though. He doesn't follow Twitter. He's not, like, he just, he likes doesn't see those photos, I No, think. he doesn't, he's not okay. into that. And then, like, you're you're a regular on Twitter. I mean, you know, if you follow Toronto Mike on Twitter, I mean, he's <laughs> posting, you know, every one of his guest pictures, stuff like that. Yeah. So anyway, he doesn't know what you look like, so he says, well, which one's Toronto Mike? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I listen to him, but I don't know what he looks like. So I go, so I'm, so I'm pointing over to the table where all the sports writers are. I said, well, he's over there. And there's, I don't know, eight, eight or ten of you? Yeah, Kevin McGran, Kevin McGran and Jim Slotek. Gary Joyce is Gare over there. Joyce is there. John Horn is there from uh, the, the tennis reporter. Anyway, there's a bunch of, bunch of people over there. He's over, he's over there. He goes, which one is he? I, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Make him get, I would love to know somebody who doesn't know what I look like. In your head, when you listen to my voice for yeah. so many hours, what do you think I look like? They probably think I look six, like Six, eight, uh, 260 yeah. pounds. Or John Hamm, like uh, Don, Don Draper or something. And then they see me and they must be very disappointed. Well, I don't know if he was disappointed because I did not point him out. I so said, he never said hi to me. What's his name? Are you no, no, no. Okay. He's just a shy. He likes listening okay. to the podcast. But he came it. out to your event. So he came out to the event. But again, he does, he does, he's a shy, quiet guy. Well, does, tell him know, to say hi next time because I'm, I'm yeah. rather uh, he doesn't want to meet you. He doesn't, he doesn't want to meet you because he thinks that's going to have an effect on the way he listens. Well, maybe and he's right. He Don't you meet your heroes, right, Ed? Right. So there you go. So you know what? If you think you might want to meet someone and, and you do, you might be disappointed. They might, you know, they might have ears sticking out of uh, uh, hair sticking out of their ears or nose. And you're like, <laughs> oh, geez, I like listening to that. You picture someone when you listen to them. When you see them, it, you know, you're, 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 right. you're, you're always see, disappointed. You're a television you're star, so you never have to deal with this. But yes, radio people, I'm sure, uh, and podcasters and podcast deal with this people. all the time. Audio people, yeah. Audio people. Uh, so anyway, um, but he likes your show. Okay, thank you, buddy. Okay. So um, the Raptors are playing uh, Portland tonight. And Portland's a good team. Really good team, and they knocked off Boston. Like we beat Boston too. Like we killed Boston on was it Wednesday? We murdered Boston. murdered. No Tuesday it was the night of the um, night of the uh, the launch. Right, killed them, and then and then the next night um, Portland played them and and beat them as well. So listen to this about Portland. Yeah. Um, they're in the middle of a seven game road trip. They've won the first four games of the road trip. Wow. They're eighteen and four against the East. Eighteen and four. They're killers, and they got Damian Lillard, one of the best players in the NBA. But the good news is this. When you come to Canada, if you've got any immigration issues, they won't let you in. And see, what happens is the Canadian uh, immigration and customs is keeping an eye on these NBA guys, these NHL guys that are coming to town to play the Toronto teams. Any problem, they get red flagged, can't come in. So I know for a fact, I can't mention names, in Canada immigration, they put out a little red flag for Ennis Cantor of the... um, Portland Trailblazers. Now, Ennis Cantor is a good player. He doesn't start at center, but he plays a lot of minutes, about 25 minutes a game. And, you know, he's averaging 14 points and 10 rebounds a game. 
And Portland's a good team. So what do, what do we do? What do Raptors do to stop Ennis Cantor? They call immigration. They say, yeah, got a red flag for this guy. Can't let him in the country. So Ennis Cantor will not be playing tonight because he cannot cross the border. So he, he's left home. He's left in the this U.S. of A. This is significant So he can't come. So, he, so he's a star player. He's a, a star. He's a good player. And he would present matchup problems for the Raptors inside. They'd have to go a little bigger. And uh, he'd work over, uh, you know, he would work over guys like... Um, like, like Serge Ibaka and, and Marc Gasol too. They know about, all about him. The guy can play, but he's not coming because he's got immigration problems. So here's the question. Did he forget his passport on the road trip? No. He's a veteran player. Guys, we're going, uh, we're going Oklahoma City. We're going Chicago. We're going Boston. We're going Philly. We're going into Toronto. That's Canada. Okay, that's Canada. Or did someone just fail to mention that part of your seven-game road trip is a trip to another country and you need proper identification? So it's passport. not load. It's not load uh, management. Uh, no, no, no. He's got immigration problems. He's got problems. So the Raptors have a big break. They get Portland, but one of their best players won't be playing. Not load management. And believe me, Kawhi will be playing. So let's take advantage. Don't you love it when guys can't travel to Canada because of immigration problems? <laughs> anyway, um, so the Raptors should win tonight. Well, no, should win. I mean, Portland's an awesome team. Should well, be a good game. You're there, so I, uh, I hope we win regardless. But uh, this this fan who's taking you, that's kind of amazing that somebody's uh, taking you to the game. And if they're a fan of my show, hey, buddy, where's my ticket to see the Raptors? That's right. all. You, you you really felt you had to do that, did you? I just could someone it out in case he's listening. Could, what about your buddy uh, uh, Raptors devotee? Why didn't he take oh, you to a game? Good point. <clears throat> good hey, point. he's got tickets. Now we all knew that Bryce Harper was going to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies back in December, right? January. That's true. February. It's it's the last day of February. I mean, he hasn't officially signed yet. I mean, how long does it take to get a guy? Um, what we didn't know was when he would sign and for how much. And even though it's not official, let's just say that thirteen years and three hundred and thirty million are the numbers. Uh, and the term is longer than Manny Machado got from the Padres, but less when it comes to average annual salary. And this is the thing is they were, oh, geez, Bryce Harper's only like 25 million a year and Machado's like 30 million a year. Mike, does it make that much? Like if you're looking at that kind of dough and someone says to you, Hey, you know, would you take the front loaded money and invest that? Or would you take the 30 million a year? I mean, really? I mean, the guy, a 13 year contract going to take him till he's 39 years old. Yeah, my brain can't tell the difference between no. those massive numbers. I don't deal with those kind of uh, finance. Those aren't the advertising rates on the Toronto <laughs> Mike podcast? One day, one day. <clears throat> so um, anyway, uh, it's, it's all but official. He's going to be with the Phillies, and he's got like the best slugging percentage of any player with 200 or more at-bats at Philadelphia's Citizens Bank Park. But there's something, like, he, why, why didn't he sign months ago? And I get the feeling that he, he really didn't want to play in Philadelphia. He just, Philly's not his kind of town. And I just think that, uh, you know, there were maybe a couple of other offers or whatever, and Philly knew that they were going to sign him. But he didn't, but Harper did not have enough options where he could have gone somewhere else. Or he would have had to take a lot less money. So it's almost like he had to go to Philly because he had to take the the biggest... contract. Yeah, he definitely had to be north of 300 mil for that total. Oh, deal, yeah. I think. But yeah. I think uh, he waited to last minute for one reason and one reason only, yeah. to give other teams an opportunity to right. beat the offer. Correct, and which didn't happen. The other one was he wanted an opt-out, I think, after three or four years. He wanted, a, And they said, no. And he went, well, i got to have an opt-out. Went, no. No opt-out. There's not even going to be discussion when you're in the second year of your four-year deal with the opt-out coming as to whether you're going to play or not in 2023 or something like that. They didn't want that distraction at all. We're signing it for 13 years. There's no opt-out. Got it? 
So that was, oh, I don't know, maybe somebody else will come along with an offer. I wonder if the Jays even, no. You nope. don't think so? I don't think so. Uh, you can still hope. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the free agent signing mystery, uh, the free agent uh, signing uh, period is now over, I guess. There's nobody left. Those were the two big names. Although the Jays did go out and sign 34-year-old pitcher Clay Buckholtz and 34-year-old tomorrow pitcher Bud Norris, which takes a little pressure off some of the kids on the staff. The real issue, though, has to do with Flatty Jr. Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Blue Jays, who already, along with Mark Shapiro, not the most likable guy. You know, still the Alex Anthopoulos era. There's a lot of people that are still really pissed at these two guys. These two sound too corporate, and uh, they sound too polished and PR heavy. No, the opposite. They the, don't have that have quality. Have, the, well, okay. the polished <laughs> PR guy does not go out and say about 19-year-old superstar Vladdy Guerrero, we don't think he's ready for the major leagues just yet. Oh, offensively he's ready, but there's a lot of defensive blah, blah, blah. But they I mean, do, Mark. They do. Hebsey, they do. Oh, no, Mike, you don't. You listen to this. You can't be taken seriously. First of all, you're talking to some pretty intelligent baseball fans here in Toronto. We're not a bunch of humps who only know about hockey. You insult the intelligence of every baseball fan in Toronto when you go on record on Major League Baseball radio and say that he's not ready for the major leagues. Bullshit. You've, you've, you've got players there who certainly aren't ready for the Blue Jays, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is not one of them. I've seen some of the guys that you've taken on. You had Jan Hervis Solarte on your team last year playing third base. So don't tell the Blue Jay fans. Don't insult our intelligence by even suggesting, even though he backtracked the next day. Shut your mouth. That's bad PR. So your idea that these two guys are good PR, they're horrible PR. They need Richard Griffin. I think they the want to be, yeah, I hear To you. say, guys, don't say that. Please don't say that. Please talk to me before you go on network radio or before you talk to MLB because I'll tell you this right now. Every single baseball fan outside of Toronto thinks the Blue Jays are a bunch of jerks and thinks the fans are a bunch of pussies. They do. The fans should be outraged. Outraged that they can't go see Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and that their general manager is even suggesting, even with tongue-in-cheek LOL, that Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is not ready for the major leagues. He is so major league ready, it's not even funny. Yet, people aren't going to see him for a couple weeks because they manipulate service time, which they're allowed to do. I hate it. All right, I must respond. Uh, you're 100% right that it's bullshit. And if you were to get a, a beer into Ross Atkins and have a private conversation, he'd be the first to admit it. Of course, it's bullshit. Unfortunately, and I can't believe I'm about to defend the man here on this issue, but he has to say that. I understand that you can't, you have to, if you're not bringing him, if he's not making the club, they can file a grievance. At, uh, this is there's something uh, sh you know you're manipulating the CBA, right? So he has to say that he's not ready for the big leagues. Otherwise, he could be in trouble in that regard for not having oh, him on the big league. So I believe he, of course, it's bullshit. And come all of us on. know. And another thing, if Vladdy were to be in the Blue Jays lineup, <clears throat> excuse me, on opening day. I think there would be outrage from the fans in that regard because why would you waste a whole year of control no, in, no. in exchange for a few weeks no. of service in a season when we're not going to make a playoffs? No. Let me give you an example. My dad's 86, almost 87. You think he's going to be he's going to be around, and if he is, you think he's going to know what the heck's going on seven years from now and go, I wish they would have kept Vladdy for another, instead of him going free agency now. No. He wants to win now. He wants to watch opening day like he does every single year and see the best product you can put on the field and get excited about the one guy, the one guy who we're going to be excited about. Seriously. When Mike Schmidt came up with the Phillies and played terrible and hit 198, Phillies fans were still going, we want to see this guy. We may boo him. 
But we want to see what the future looks like. Well, Mike Schmidt ended up being a Hall of Famer, and Vladdy may as well. But Oh, it's a slam dunk. No, it's not. They're manipulating service time. And if yeah. look, Ross Atkins isn't going to come out and say we're manipulating service time. No, no, no. But Ross Atkins has got to come up with something better. So what should now, he the say? Other thing, Let me ask you this. What should he, he say when he's asked why is uh, Vlad Guerrero, who might be MVP this season, why is he not making the team out of camp? Tell me what the answer should be, Mr. Hebsey. Well, the answer should be we feel that he needs a couple more weeks in Buffalo. We'll start him out there, and then we'll bring him up to the big club so that we can save ourselves one year and so that we have one more season to win a World Series with this guy. Under he can't control. say that. He'll be. In, he'll. There'll be a grievance. No, he he no. can't say Too that. Too bad. Tough. Tell, <laughs> okay. Don't lie to us. Don't lie and say he's not major league ready. Okay. <laughs> don't insult our intelligence. Tell us the truth. Okay. He'll be up. Whatever that. What's the date? April sixteenth. Jackie Robinson Day. I don't know. All I know is this: Buffalo will likely get. Look at the weather today. Buffalo will get snowed out. Like the snow ain't going to be melted in a month from now. All right. It's not April one or whatever their opener is. It's not. So the first games that the Jays are going to be playing against Detroit will be under the dome. Vladdy would be able to play, but if he's scheduled to play in Buffalo and there's six inches of snow, then Vladdy is not going to get any development. Maybe they should just leave him in Florida. Leave him in Florida. Put him on the DL, leave him in Florida, let him rehab until whatever day he can start playing for Toronto. But no, people in Buffalo, I guess, need to sell some tickets too. I'm sure they're going to love that. Hey, Vladdy, how long are you going to be here for? It's okay, man. I'm, I'm, I'm staying in my car. Like, I'm not even going to get a hotel room. I'm not oh, yeah. even going to get a place to stay because I'm not going to be here that long. Is that your phone ringing? During the podcast. I think that's the first time, actually. Toronto Mike, do I have to tell you to turn your phone down? So that's it for Buffalo. Uh, and that's, you know, I feel bad for them, too. I mean, I kind of, like, you that know. That call, be, by the way, was from Richard Griffin. Yeah. He, uh, he wants me to yeah, right. patch him in. All right. Um, so Tuesday was the night of the book launch for the greatest athlete. Um, on your way home, Mike. You drove past BMO Field. Yeah, which, and on the way there and the way home, I drove by BMO Field. TFC uh, was Gardner. playing Independiente of Panama in the whatever CONCACAF non-MLS second leg battle for a title nobody cares about, right? Well, all the lights were on, uh, yeah. so clearly there was something happening. But oh, there was I a game didn't, on. Yeah, I couldn't see a single body in the stand. So if there were anybody at the game, they were lower than you could see from the Gardner. Yeah. Uh, nobody yeah. was there. So they, were, they lost the first leg 4 nothing in Panama, 4-0 in Panama. The other thing was, okay, that's in Panama. February in Panama is can, you know, can be nice, hot, whatever. But to schedule the rematch in February <laughs> yeah. in Toronto is ludicrous. And here's the thing. Yeah. The, Tuesday night was freezing cold. The ball must have felt like kicking cement. And you're already down 4-0, so why bother going to that game? But the next night, the Wednesday night, it snowed all day long. Right. I mean, what would, have been, what would the conditions have been like there? And, and had the score been closer, would would more fans have shown up? For I the think game? for sure. I think if they would have. Some people die. You would, would, would you have, have gone? Would you have gone in weather like that? No, not are me. You a but I'm not a. I'm not a diehard. But are you a diehard any outdoor sports fan? Like, would you go out in in like horrible, horrible weather conditions to watch a sporting event? I don't think so. You big wimp, you. Unless they moved the Stanley Cup final to outdoor. All right. Um, in the 1982 Grey Cup at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto, it was Toronto against the Edmonton Eskimos. Warren Moon's uh, final year, I think it was. And at halftime of the game, the Grey Cup game, a sideways rain came in. Imagine late November, outdoors, uncovered stands, and you go to the bathroom, and as you come out of the tunnel, and it's a pretty narrow tunnel, you're hit with wind and pelting rain in your face so hard that you can't even get back to your seat. You don't want to go back to your seat. You're getting killed. So all these people huddled in the tunnels. You couldn't get in or out because the conditions were so bad. It was horrible. The Argos lost to Edmonton in the Great Cup, but that was the worst 
one of the worst conditions I had ever experienced as a fan. And I wondered, to what lengths would I go to see my team play outdoors? And nowadays it's less and less because, you know, we got a dome stadium in, uh, you know, in Toronto here. But I remember going to Blue Jay games where it was freezing cold and windy and windstorms and all that. And football games, for sure, outdoors. I mean, you know, you know, you, there's people that have gone to Michigan Stadium, Ohio State, where it doesn't matter, pro or, or the Ice Bowl. In 67, the Green Bay Packers when it was minus Yeah, high minus stakes, though, high stakes. Uh, there you go. Would you go? That's what I'm saying. What's uh, the worst yeah, conditions you've gone to a game for? Like freezing, biting cold? I mean, I've been to Argo games <clears> at Bimo <throat> where I was bundled up because it was, yeah, it was freezing. It was pretty yeah, cold. Right against the lake, too. That's the other thing. It was the exhibition stadium right right on the lake. Like Cleveland, yeah. the mistake by the lake. Like anybody that builds a park by the lake, you know, it better be uh, sheltered from the weather because, man, you're going to get it. It's going to be wicked. But but fe- to have a game on February the 26th outdoors, soccer in Toronto. Do we know how many uh, fans showed up? Seven. <laughs> I believe it. I don't know. <laughs> Only from close family and friends. And even they were saying, look, it's too cold and you guys are down 4-0. Um, I know it's not nice to criticize other people's work. Mike, I figure though, since I just wrote a book and I have a podcast, there are going to be some people that are going to read the book and not like the book. They're going to be people that listen to the podcast and not like the podcast. I get it. They might even write a review saying, I don't didn't like it and here's why and here's how many stars it gets. I get that. That's the world we live in. So when I was invited to the premiere of the movie Goalie, the Terry Sawchuck story, I tried to keep an open mind. I'd never met Sawchuck. He died in 1970. He was one of my heroes on the 67 Leafs, him and Johnny Bauer, split the goaltending, veteran player, 103 lifetime shutouts, was broken many years later by Mark Tambradur. And I'd heard stories that he was a troubled guy. He was an alcoholic. He was a moody guy, but a hell of a goalie. Anyway, so I watched the movie and yeah, he was a troubled guy. He was an alcoholic and he was a hell of a goalie. (laughs) But the movie just didn't do it for me. The hockey scenes were weak. And since they couldn't use real NHL logos, and this is a problem I have, right? If you're trying to be authentic, they didn't get permission to use the logos of the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Detroit Red Wings or whatever. So what they did was they tried to duplicate the colors and the color schemes, kind of, sort of, but not really. Like they didn't have the Leaf, oh. um, the socks, uh, the Detroit Red Wing type socks, the you know, that I guess that's part of the um, uniform, which is, uh, that's their brand, like copyrighted. Roy, Roy Hobbs in The Natural played for the New York Knights, uh, trying to look yeah. like the Yankees. But they yeah. didn't have the rights to the Yankees. That's uh, right. Stuff. That's right. But that was pretty fictional stuff, right? But this was supposed to be the story of Terry Sawchuk. And so to see him playing for the Detroit Red Wings, and instead of a, the winged wheel on his chest, it's, it looks like an Industrial League logo, right? And you're playing supposedly the Toronto Maple Leafs, but... The blue and white combo isn't quite, you know, you go, that's Leafs. It it just kind of took away from it. And that's, you know, I mean, is that nitpicking? Well, you know, it depends. If you want to see a movie about Terry Sawchuck and he played in the National Hockey League, you kind of want to have some authenticity there. The other one, there's a scene where Sawchuck is playing goal for the Boston Bruins. And in the locker room, so one of his teammates is Willie O'Ree, the first black player in the NHL. Well, the two never played together. Mm. So, you know, as an historian and something, I'm going, wait a minute. Sawchuk didn't play with O'Reilly. O'Reilly came up for two games in uh, 1958. Sawchuk was gone by then. Interesting. And then he came, and then Willie O'Reilly came back. I think two or three years later, back to the NHL and played 40 some odd games with the Bruins in 61, 62. But anyway, so Sawchuk was never his teammate. So that to me, like, why would you, why would you put that in? There was nothing in the. I don't want to give too much of the movie away, sure. but there was nothing in the movie where they went, hey, they never even mentioned Willie O'Reilly. But you just see a you see a a black player in the Boston dressing room, so it has to, na- be. It has to be him. Uh, that's factually incorrect. But there, he, and there he, was no reason to put him in this scene. There was nothing. 
they didn't refer to him as a black guy or anything right. like that. So why interesting? Why why not just have the white guys who were on the Boston Bruins at the time when Sachuk was there? Why why put similar? That in? Yeah, why why <clears throat> use that creative why license if there's yeah. no you know? Yeah. But similar inaccuracies have been uh, written about the uh, movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, and that's still got nominated for Best Picture. So. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, Anyway, the movie was, you know, it's slow moving. There's a lot of Terry Sawchuk drinking, a lot of him at the bar, you know, and lamenting and worrying. And, and, and were, any cameos from anybody uh, we know? Or not cameos so much, but uh, none of the characters had any redeeming qualities. Uh, in fact, Kevin Pollack, who plays Jack Adams, uh, the Detroit GM, was way too nice in this film. Adams was known as a miserable SOB. If you ever saw the movie Net Worth, uh, the guy who played um, Jack Adams was Al Waxman. Oh, yeah. And he played him perfectly. He was had a high pitched voice, and he was miserable, tight fisted, and uh, you know, would threaten to trade the whole team and and stuff like that. And and Kevin Pollock is is he's kind of nice. He's too nice. He's he's sympathetic in the movie, and and he's rather avuncular, which Jack Adams was not. It's a big word. <laughs> <laughs> That's a five buck word. Do you know what it means? Uh, he was uh, exuberant. No, avuncular oh. means um, like your uncle. Okay. Right? He's sort of like an uncle, like an uncle-like quality. Like, you know, I, you know, your uncle is a, our uncles are always, you know, nice fellas. They treat you, you know, hey, you're my nephew or that kind of thing. So he very, yeah. I Have you got to dumb down the vocabulary? This is a sports show. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just thought that um, Kevin Pollock's a fine actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's good. But, uh, but, but the Jack Adams he played wasn't, I don't think was really um, the Jack Adams. So what would you give it out of five stars? Two and a half stars. Okay. Now to tennis. Felix Auger-Alissime. I just like saying his name, <laughs> and I love watching him play tennis. He keeps on going. Uh, and so does another 18-year-old, Bianca Andreescu. These two are going to be the stars at the Rogers uh, Cup this summer in Montreal and Toronto. Um, FAA, as I, uh, we like to call Felix Auger-Alissime, is unseated in this tournament. He was in the last one. He made it reach the finals. He's in the quarters now in Brazil. And guess who he plays? Laszlo Dejer, the guy who beat him last week in the finals at Rio when Dejer had the walkover in the semis, and uh, Felix had to play. So Dejer was fresher and beat him in straight sets. So now they get the rematch here, but this is in the quarters. Uh, and Felix is unseated again. And also Andreescu, unseated. Uh, she's into the semifinals in Mexico, taking on American Sophia Kennan of the United States, who is the number five seed. So you got two unseated 18-year-olds who are climbing their way up the ladder uh, quite rapidly. You get this far in consecutive tournaments, you're moving up. You know, I think Felix moved up 40 spots uh, uh, when he reached the finals. Man, you know, he goes far here. He moves up another few spots, too. And pretty soon, before you know it, Canada's got five or six players, maybe in the top 30 in the world. That's excellent. It's really good. Very excited about that. Uh, Trivia question is brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, north of the 401, without looking it up. Who did John Tavares replace as captain of the New York Islanders? Mike. I'm going to be, once again, I will definitely be wrong, but uh, I have to take a guess. So yeah. I'm going with Alexi Ashen. Oh, Alexi Ashen was one of the captains of the New York Islanders, but not prior to right. John Tavares. This guy was born in Switzerland. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I, I'm having a, like a between Ashen and Tavares, yeah. I have a whole like Islander yeah. blank, blank yeah. Right. spot there. All right. The answer is Mark Strait. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah For yeah. two years, the uh, captain of the Islanders from 2011-12 to 2012-13, right. uh, before that with the Montreal Canadiens, ended up getting traded to Philadelphia. And when he was traded, they uh, elevated John Tavares, not Tavares back in those days, John Tavares of the New York Islanders to captain. Now, here's your backstory. Okay. Islander captains, some of the greatest players in the history of the game, 
or supposedly the greatest players in the history of the game, were Islander captains. The first was Eddie Westfall, who was a great checking winger. Him and Donnie Marcotte for the Bruins when they were winning Stanley Cups. He was the first Islander captain, followed by Hall of Famer Clark Gillies, Hall of Famer Danny Potvin, Brent Sutter, Pat Flatley, Brian McCabe, Trevor Linden, right. Kenny Yonson, who I loved when he played for the Leafs. I thought he was great. Yeah. Mike Pekka. The aforementioned, a lot of former Leafs here. The Ash, uh, aforementioned Alexi Yashin. Billy Guerin. Oh, yeah. Doug Waite. All these former uh, Oilers. And, and then Mark Strait. And then John Tavares. And now Anders Lee. And there are your New York Islander captains. Not a bad bunch. Pretty exciting. Like, by, nice by, to see Brian McCabe, <clears throat> all these former, yeah. uh, former Maple Leafs. By the way, Mike, by the way. Uh, and trivia brought to you by Panthers, and thank you for that. Um, can we tell the sports networks that they don't have to show the entire press conference or the entire post-game interview with John Tavares, like after five or six questions. Uh, uh, get off of it already, eh? Because now we're here, and you hear a disembodied but, voice in the background. Oh, but there's an appetite for that. There's an appetite for only so much. No, only so much. After a while, when he starts to cringe and he starts to repeat himself, and we're just going out there playing it one game at a time, that's when the producer's got to go, okay, cut the feed, let's go back to the desk, because it's not fair. It's not fair. John Tavares is a hockey player. His job isn't to try to disseminate each and every play 10 minutes after the game is over and he just got booed and, and he probably feels awful and, and betrayed and everything like that. So, you know, once the producer realizes, okay, folks, we're not going to get anything more out of Johnny and rather than stand there and watch him squirm in front of 50 microphones and whatever, let's just pull the plug and go back to the desk, back to Jen and Dutch, nice. back to Kennedy Vonka. We don't need back to the panel, but we don't, we don't need that. We don't need that time now for minor hockey confidential brought to you by Titan blades. That's what they sound like. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to make sharper turns, accelerate faster, create better attack angles than you want Titan blades on your skates. They've got harder steel for better edge retention and longer sharpening life. Ask for them where you get your skates sharpened. Or go to TitanBlades.com and find out why Titan Blades will make you a better skater and a better player. T-Y-D-A-N, Titan. Correct. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. All right. Now, there's a growing number of hockey parents in the province of Alberta that are making the move from minor hockey to an unsanctioned, privately run hockey league. Have you heard of this? No. It's called Hockey Super League, partly owned by former NHL player Ryan Smith. The league is designed for highly skilled players looking for an alternative to the traditional program offered by Hockey Canada. The HSL says it models itself after a European style of development by offering, Mike, a higher practice-to-game ratio. This is very important in the development of hockey. You need more practices than games. You have to. And they've got to be on full sheets of ice if your games are being played on full sheets of ice. The problem with Hockey Canada is not enough ice time. They split the ice in half. You're going to practice on half an ice. And by the way, your schedule is going to be all over the place. You're going to play here, you're going to play there, you're going to play here, you're going to play there. The HSL has a set schedule. You practice every single Thursday at 7. You practice every single Saturday morning at 9. And you play whatever the day is. Makes sense. Every week, which means a family can put their schedule together with the three other kids. You've got ballet. You've got basketball. Oh, oh, Junior wants to play basketball as well? Guess what? He can play Sundays because there's no hockey Sundays. There's only a couple of out-of-town tournaments, that kind of a thing. And this is the problem with a lot of the minor hockey leagues, especially when you get to the more elite levels. 
So I like this. So players also in, in this um, uh, hockey super league um, do not have to play within their communities. In minor hockey, you got to play within your community, right? There's borders. In the uh, HSL, it's borderless. So families can try out for teams across the uh, city, and their child is put in the appropriate category based on their skill, not necessarily their age. And this is another one. Mike, you must know this. You've got kids to play. There's yeah. kids that you're at the same age as your kid, maybe even younger, way better player, way better. Yeah. Should not be playing. Should be playing up. Should be playing up against older players or players of similar skill levels, right? Yes. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen often enough. And a lot of people, listen, let's face it. I mean, my kid played a couple of years and was like, dad, I'm not as good as these guys. And that was house league. So I'm not as good as these guys. He was smaller. He wasn't as good a skater. He would have been better off playing down, like playing with kids a year younger than him. Right. But, but instead he had to play with the same age group. Age, it's all about your calendar year. Not good. Not good. Now there are some uh, downsides to this HSL, this uh, hockey super league. First of all, the fees uh, range from 3,500 to $5,500 a year, depending on the franchise and how many games are played. The fees cover coaching, ice rentals, dry land training, and some equipment. Now some supporters of this new league say that the most, uh, what's more expensive than community hockey, uh, this type, the flat fee with no additional fundraising requirements is great because when you're in minor hockey, there's fundraising. You always got to raise more money for trips and all that. But in the HSL, no, those, the dollars you pay at the beginning of the year, uh, pay for all of that, pay for fundraising. They don't have to worry about cash calls, tournament fees, none of that stuff. That's good too. Cause that takes up more time. Come on, Billy, you got to sell those chocolate bars. Come on, we got to have a bake sale. We got to have a car wash, whatever it is. You don't have to worry about that. This one mother said, and I quote, this has been fantastic for us. We have three kids. Our family is busy. We have a set schedule. And he's been able to play basketball this winter, which before with community hockey, we, he wouldn't be able to. He'd have to practice Monday, Friday, Saturday. And have, this is much, much better, Mike. I think. Is it coming here? Well, that's just it. Eventually it has to. And, and eventually you know, you're going to break away. People are uh, play. Parents are going to demand an alternative. And if that alternative doesn't fit in with their busy schedule, especially nowadays, and you got other kids, then that means you're going to have to, you got to be in Orangeville at 6.15 p.m. on a Wednesday night in a snowstorm because Billy's got a double-A game against Orangeville. Man, Orangeville's 45 minutes to an hour at the best of times. Snowstorm? But if you're playing in one of these leagues and you know well in advance where the games are, okay, and remember, you're, you're prepared to travel because you're not, you're not necessarily playing in your community. You're prepared for this, right? You're paying the money you want, but you have you have better competition and you're practicing on a full sheet of ice, not the half sheets, which there's been a lot of complaints about that. Uh, if you're going to invest in your child and you're going to invest in their future, then half ice practices for development are not going to cut it. In soccer, you put money in development and when you're, play, when you're practicing soccer, you don't practice it on a half a field in these elite leagues. You play on the whole pitch. You play the whole pitch because you're simu simulating game conditions. So anyway, do you think that would work all over and in, in all sports? And what should Hockey Canada do? Because they basically say, you know, look, we're aware of the issues. But, but it's good for uh, there to be a little uh, competition for Hockey Canada yes. so they can make and the then, appropriate adjustments. And, and up their game. Right, change exactly. Their, change their development strategies. Like they don't have the monopoly right. on this. Or else right. you're going to lose a lot of hockey players in community hockey. And the ones that are serious about playing are not going to want to play uh, in, you know, in the community leagues. Anyway, I think this is a really interesting story like your uh, comments on it. Um, and this is something we like to do here on, um, you know, Hockey Confidential, Minor Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades, the best in blades. You'll be a better skater. Go to TitanBlades.com. I can hardly wait to try mine on. Make that shushing sound. That was someone else skating, by the way. 
with this Titan blade. I think on. it sounded like Dave Bedini. Was that who I was? It listening? could well have been. It could well have been Dave Bedini on the uh, Titan blades. Anyway, folks, that'll do it for episode number eighty-one of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks as always to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. If you enjoy this podcast, even though I sound like I'm sick, but I'm not. If you enjoyed it, I guarantee you will love my new book. The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. Available now at all fine bookstores and online at Indigo or Amazon or wherever you get your reading material. Audiobook coming soon for those of you who don't like to read. Ask for it by name or just punch in Mark Hebsher. It'll take you right to the book. In any case, writing a nice review is always helpful. Let's other people know what you think of it. The same is true for this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. Hit me up at HebseyOnSports.com. You can order the book there as well. And thanks, as always, for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another exciting episode of Hebsey on Sports very shortly. Until then, until then, so long for now. <laughs>